Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends... Chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> she had a big You're ass bad. then. She's got a big ass now. <laughs> <laughs> I saw these coolats. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I'm Kenyon. <gasps> I'm Rebecca and Lucy. Me. <laughs> <laughs> no, people and are going to think that's your real name. No one knows my <laughs> real name. It's no fine. No one knows your real uh, name. It's fine. <laughs> and I'm, do you hear me, Loretta? Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> and I am at the point where I would kill for the nicotine under somebody's fingernails. Do you hear me, Loretta? <laughs> Once a carny, always, always a carny. <laughs> would a mint help if I shoved your head up your ass? <laughs> a nice, nice cool mint. <laughs> you have a super day too. Okay. <laughs> All right. Turns well, out this our... is a true crime podcast. What? This this is a drop dead gorgeous rewatch podcast. Every <sighs> episode we rewatch drop dead gorgeous. Okay, God. I would listen to that <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Weekly rewatch of Drop Dead Gorgeous. <laughs> I think we just found our spinoff show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're starting a network. No. Yep. <laughs> um, okay. This episode uh, is the topic. It's a very special gals pick. Yes. <laughs> so excited. We felt- for this. <laughs> this is like this is like Lucy Crack right mm. here. <laughs> Yeah. We, okay. felt, we felt like it had been a while since we had done a forensic uh, topic. Since I got my mm-hmm. fix. So, oh, look, there's Ray. Hi, Ray. Hi, Ray. Oh, oh that's my water. What a beast. <laughs> <laughs> so rude. So rude. He's going for the um, candle now. Oh, my God. God damn it. Ray, that's my fire. Ray, that's my earth. Mm-hmm. Ray, that's my air. Earth, air, fire, water, earth, air, fire, water. Okay. What's the topic? So the topic (laughs) is forensic entomology. (laughs) So bugs. Bugs and creepy crawlers. Oh, my God. A topic that blathers of Animal Crossing would not be a fan of. No. I got to get him out of here. I don't get that. Okay. So, real quick, Amanda, what is our wine crime pairing for forensic entomology? Yes. This week, we are drinking Wink's 2017 Field Theory Cabernet Pfeffer. Cabernet Pfeffer? The fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Did you misspeak? Oh, no, we'll talk about it. Um, but first, just want to remind everybody that Wink is an incredible online wine club that in these unprecedented times is a life-saving essential service that delivers wine to 
your door. So head to trywink.com forward slash gals. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C.com forward slash gals for 20 bucks off your first box. If you go and you're not already a member, get that membership. You get member pricing. They make wine Mm. recommendations for you. You put four or more bottles of wine in your cart. They take care of the shipping. I just filled my cart today. I have six bottles en route to my home. Yes. Got to up it, the wine bottle number. Yeah. I used to be a four bottle orderer. Now I'm definitely a six Six plus. minimum. Yeah. Six yeah. minimum. It's like yeah. adding mm-hmm. weights to your like whatever the people work out with. The sticks. Yes. With the <laughs> yeah. The sticks. The heavy sticks. The, 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 the heavy sticks. Yeah. 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 You got to yeah. up your heavy sticks to improve it's your adding- strength. We're starting a gym. Uh, the gals heavy sticks gym. <laughs> For your help. Um, so I did not misspeak when I said Cabernet Pfeffer. Um, it is a mysterious grape varietal that's planted in teeny, 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 tiny quantities in California. So it's pretty exclusive to California. Not much is known for sure about its origins, although it is thought mm. to be a like cross-pollination of Cabsov and other unknown varieties, maybe Trousseau, we don't know. Um, mm. And it's also thought to have been bred in Los Altos Hills, California in the late 19th century by orchardist and winemaker William Pfeffer, Oh, hence, hence Cabernet we followed the mystery. We followed it. Fiftery <laughs> <laughs> fold. Um, and Pfeffer is also German for pepper. Ich aber eine Klaubfuß. Oh, so that is a distinct tasting note of this varietal. So it's kind of fun. It's multifaceted. Mm. Um, less than ten acres of this grape are planted in all of California. But this Cabernet Sauvignon relative proves that it deserves to be better known. Pfeffer is highly aromatic with notes of red fruit, pepper spice, and forest floor, which is a fancy way of saying it's earthy. I don't know why these wine people get get, so weird. We'll get to the forest floors. Forest floor. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Quaffable forest floor. (laughs) (sighs) Excuse me. Though the spicy (laughs) underpinnings are apparent, it's Mm. the delicacy and restraint that I don't have that make this wine eminently (laughs) drinkable. With subtle structure from 70-plus-year-old vines, this is a wine you're not going to be able to find anywhere else, so we recommend that you stock up now. And that said, by the time I went to put this in my cart, it was sold out, so I'm not even able to drink it right now. (laughs) Um, But I have it on my... You can set like a an alert for when a wine comes back in stock on wink, which is awesome. So I have an alert, but this is one of those sad moments where I'm not drinking the pairing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm not Uh, either. If it makes you feel better. Well, and Kenyon has the pairing in a wine cellar. I'm drinking a gin and tonic with rosemary. Oh, that is your signature move. And I love it. It totally is. But shall we pop what I do have that I'm just not going to mention? Yes. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, oh God. Okay. A little more. A little more. There it is. Oh. <laughs> nice pop. Not really pepper buggy pop. pop. Yeah, spunky. Ooh, I really right. like that doing these video episodes is forcing me to use real glassware and not drink mm-hmm. out of like a sippy cup as I usually do. 
I'm drinking, I'm drinking out, out of, of my, a mason jar. So my anus wine Fine. glass. Yes, I there love you your anus wine glass. Well, cheers. Oh yeah, cheers. right. Cheers. All right, and. Lucy, what is our background and probably not psych for forensic entomology? I'm sure you got some gray shit for us. <sighs> okay, here we go. <laughs> there is a little bit of psych depending on how grossed out you are by the word maggot, and Meh. we'll get to it. Some people have Pretty. like a real aversion to it. It doesn't bother me that much. I also doesn't don't have me. that weird aversion to the word moist I don't or either. panties. Doesn't bother me. I really hate the word pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like a pregnant and, pause or a cloud mm. pregnant with rain. Or just yep. a human being pregnant. Not the concept. <laughs> Preg- pregnancy. I think it's an ugly word. And I you really hate it the word. You heard it here first, folks. Kenyon hates pregnant people. <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> I also hate the word curdle. Oh, no. Don't like that either. I mm-hmm. hate the word pregnant as well. I also used to, <laughs> this is so bad. I used to hate the word Jesus. <laughs> Not a Jesus great word. Joe. I don't know why, but I swear so much and incorporate that word now that mm-hmm. I'm over it. It was like a you retrained yourself. exposure therapy. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay. Entomology is Mm. a branch of zoology that deals with the scientific study of insects. So in addition to genetics, taxonomy, morphology, physiology, behavior, and ecology, entomologists can also study economic entomology, which encompasses the harmful and beneficial impact of insects on humans and human activity. I thought that was kind of cool. So like like bees, basically. Hmm. Pests, like uh, crop pest control. Just bugs impact humans a lot. So I thought it was cool. How ants invented farming like millions of years before humans did. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Oh, she said confidently. (laughs) (laughs) That, That was a fact. Whenever I learn a fact recently, I assume that it's just... Out there, common knowledge. I couldn't tell if that was a joke or not. (laughs) (laughs) I learned that fact, like, probably within the last 10 days, so I just assumed that it was, like, in everyone's news feed. You should check your sources. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Your algorithm is weird. No one is recommending ant facts to me. Hashtag ant facts. Well, your phone Uh, is listening, so. Yeah, Mm -hmm. now it will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So forensic entomology is the scientific study of the invasion of the succession pattern of arthropods in their developmental stages of different species found on the decomposed cadavers during legal investigations. Mm-hmm. And that's my segment. <laughs> I feel like Lucy really needs this to fan herself off <laughs> when she gets just a little too excited over this topic. I think I do. I need a fan. It doesn't help that I'm real close to my candle. Oh, yeah. You don't want to fan that. Okay. So in other words, it's the study of how bugs live on your dead body. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Forensic. (laughs) Ma'am. Forensic entomology. (laughs) We'll get to it. Can be used to determine how and when and where a person died as well if is if there are drugs or poison in the person's body. And that's called... Bugs can tell you that? 
Yeah, because the bugs will have it in their systems. Oh, that's right. Because oh. they're eating you. Because they're eating but you. They w- they won't like stay away if you're like really like coked up. They won't just they won't be like nah. I'm nah. Good. I don't think so. And I saw okay. oh a f- termite fact. Don't Ugh. know if this is a fact. Termites freak me out. If they give termites a bunch of cocaine, they chew like trees up a f- shitload faster. So like some <sighs> drugs really affect some insects. That's wow. amazing. Yeah, I love it. Um, so that's called entu entomut. Entomotoxicology. Nailed it. The bugs can play right. an important role in determining the PMI or the post-mortem interval. So like how long it's been since someone died. Oh, we'll get to it. Oh, I'm sure we yep, will. I think that's, that's a key like part of my case. The too. primary reason Use. for forensic entomology. Although there yeah. are lots of other handy little factors in there. Okay, mm-hmm, so just mm-hmm. for shits. Here's the etymology of entomology because I keep almost saying the wrong one. Yeah, they're close. It's from the mid-century French entomologie, not to be confused with anthropologie. Mm -hmm. I really miss shopping, you guys. Um, It comes from the Greek entomon, which means notched. Oh. Which it like denotes an insect, like a the notched body of an insect. Oh, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. I like that. And then Hello? logia, which is like the study of. Sure, sure, sure. So let's okay. get into how fucking gross bugs are for just a hot minute. Yes, let's. Real so, fucking gross. Ugh, the word arthropod comes from Greek arthron, which means joint, and pous, which is almost soup spelled backwards, which means... <laughs> My soup spelled backwards is poos. poos. (laughs) So it's like a blend of jointed foot. (laughs) An arthropod is an invertebrate animal having an exoskeleton, a segmented body, and paired jointed appendages. And I also, I didn't include it, but I did some reading about like the makeup of their bodies and like their calcium exoskeletons and how all their parts are like connected it's just gross i just i don't want to go there i really want to go reread metamorphosis now yeah (laughs) i would do that i love that book it's also i oh it's so good i know that um this is not a bug but i recently (laughs) learned also recent hashtag recent facts hashtag hashtag ants facts Hashtag super bored and in quarantine. Hashtag um, questionable but, fact. <laughs> but I learned that octopi or octopuses, whatever, don't have eight legs. They have six arms and two legs. And apparently there is a difference. <laughs> I, I like that. I hate it. Are the legs so the ones go. that they like push off from like behind? Probably. I didn't go any further. Okay. Callie is being so particular about her sleeping situation. <laughs> She's smoothing right now. out the bed. That's weird. She is not smoothing it. She is making it worse. That's that's what they do. That's what dogs do before they lie down. And okay, she'll circle well, we'll, and she'll circle. Yep. Yep. Yeah. She's really Great. into it though. Okay. Arthropods <laughs> include insects, arachnids, 
myriapods. So that's like millipedes and centipedes. Oh, because they have a uh, myriad of legs. The worst. Probably. Those are the worst. And, and oh, this is a bug fact that I feel like might be a wives tale, but terrifies me every time. So you know when you facts. see hashtag, <laughs> hashtag questionable bug facts. facts. <laughs> hashtag bug facts. Bug you know, facts. have you ever heard that like maybe it's a myth, I'm praying it's a myth that if you see one of those like what are the ones that like live in your walls? Bloody like, Mary in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, those like centipedes with the long, really front two antenna. Yeah, and oh. really, really long. My cousin calls them butt pinchers. Sure. So I've heard this that like if you see one out, then there are like likely hundreds in your walls. And I feel like somebody I, made that up just to scare me, but it has <laughs> haunted me ever since. I can't, you guys. I cannot. It's too awful. Here's another bug fact. If you take said butt pincher and eat it, then the ones in your walls go away. (laughs) Because they're afraid of being eaten. I'm just going to see if you try it. it. Bug protein is the future, y'all. Let me tell you. Bug protein is the future. I've eaten a lot of bugs. I also saw that shark Economic entomology. I'm a cricket gal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, but also included in arthropods are crustaceans. Mm. So kind of... Technically, maybe a forensic entomologist could study like how crabs eat a dead body, even though crabs aren't bugs. Okay, that's Mm, another animal animal crossing question, because when you catch hermit crabs in Animal Crossing, they classify them as bugs. And I just figured they didn't feel like making all of the different categories. But now that you're saying Mm. that, it's kind of bug adjacent and makes a lot more sense. Well, they have Mm -hmm. an exoskeleton. They're invertebrates, I think. Mm -hmm. They've got all those disgusting legs. They're they're Mm -hmm. basically a bug. And I call shrimp sea spiders. I mean, they are basically just little sea bugs. They're sea spiders. Sea to peas. Makes sense. They're so delicious. I... I am really good with like food and trying new things, but of all the things in the world I can't fucking handle is eating like a whole lobster. I love it. It's disgusting. I don't like the taste. I, I don't it. like the texture. It's hideous. Uh, I love every I... moment of breaking open that ugly motherfucker and sucking its legs out. Can't do it. Ah, yeah. la, 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 la. Drip I'm in it between. In Could take it or leave it. Mm, it's I a lot lobster. of work for not a ton of payoff, but I have had like some good times. It's mm. with it's lobster. a vehicle for butter, honestly. Yeah, Ugh, yeah, I love it. It's a luxury vehicle for butter. <laughs> it's a band. It's an escalator. It's a when, uh, <laughs> when I was in uh, college, <laughs> senior week, we only seniors were on campus, and like you know, support staff, whatever, and. We paid like a special fee to be on campus for that week, and it was supposed to cover like unlimited meals and also like a ton of alcohol at different events. But the college like definitely spent all of the money on the alcohol. Good. And then the food was like so sparse. Like it was like for like an hour and a half a day, you could like go to the cafeteria and have like a bagel. Mini like, weenies. The food- like, the food was, like, not... We were starved for a week. <laughs> but every event had an open bar. It was wild. Worth it. And so the one, like, sit-down meal that we had, we were all, like, ravenous. Like, we get there, we're dressed up, whatever. We sit down, and it was lobster. 
Like, which is not like a filling meal. And also, it's not. Like, and you wait, have to work to get it. Yeah. And you have to work to get it. And it's also like really expensive and unnecessary mm-hmm. when you haven't been fed in a week. Yeah. They and you're also hammered. That. So, like, handing you a yeah. hot dog would have been more satisfying than making oh, you crack yeah. open a lobster. They fucked up yeah. that budget. Poorly that thought was, out. Well, that was seniors my first time put having together lobster. that budget and Probably. put it all into alcohol. Your class president did that. They fucked you over. Probably. I mean, it was really fun. I can name really three fun. specific people who put that together and mm-hmm. I didn't go to school with you. <laughs> Looking at you, Gary. All right. We, I've <laughs> got a long ways to go. <laughs> I got a long ways to go. I'm going to keep going. I'm ready. So when we're talking about forensic entomology, that would also include things like worms. And we'll come back to the worms which I Googled to see which phylum those fall into. And it turns out that worms, I knew this in seventh grade when we had the worm unit, but I was reminded today of how fucking batshit worms are. Mm -hmm. And they can actually fit into like a zillion different categories. They're shapeshifters, I swear to God. Worms are maybe my new favorite animal. After cats. Valerie. Cats, worms, everything else. Horses at the bottom. (laughs) 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 Okay, so I got a little dose of history for us. The first recorded criminal case that used forensic entomology comes to us from the Song Dynasty. Ooh. In 1247, judge slash physician slash scientist slash writer Song C, he was a busy guy, Mm -hmm. wrote a book called Collected Cases of Injustice Rectified. Oh, I love that title. It's yeah. so dramatic. And he also mm. published a how-to for coroners called The Washing Away of Wrongs. Oh, my God. Okay, that's these spooky. are like I love it. Love two it. upcoming episode titles because I'm obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I want to go back to the times when like life expectancy was eight seconds and you just had to learn everything over the course of your life to fill every <laughs> single role you possibly could yeah. because yeah. there weren't enough people to like do fucking anything properly. And everyone died at 35. 35. Yeah. That Max. Would, these are the good old days. Yeah. Jacks mm-hmm. of all trades. <laughs> Masters of none. Yep. Um, Okay, so here's a little quote from Wikipedia about, honestly, most of my notes for this came from the Wikipedia page because it covered so much. And Mm. like, I'm not even sorry about it. Mm -hmm. So quote, in a murder case in 1235, a villager was stabbed to death and authorities determined that his wounds were inflicted by a sickle. And this was a tool used for cutting rice during harvest time. A fact which led them to suspect that a fellow peasant worker was involved. Mm. So the local magistrate had the villagers assemble in the town square where they would temporarily relinquish their sickles. Within minutes, a mass of blowflies gathered around one specific sickle and none of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Whoa. They were attracted to the scent of traces of blood unseen to the naked eye. And it became... I love that so it's much so creepy it became apparent to all that the owner of that sickle was the culprit who pled for mercy as he was detained by authorities yes dramatic oh my god also really great punk band name the sickle and the blowflies 
Yeah. Ooh, yeah. You're really good at that game, Kenyon. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're very good at that game. It's my only musical talent coming up with is band naming names. bands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is very accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's another wiki quote about our favorite little decomposers, maggots. Little baby maggots. Little baby maggots. In 1668, Italian physician Francesco Reddi disproved Mm, the theory of spontaneous generation. So at the time, the accepted theory uh, claimed that maggots developed just spontaneously from rotting meat. Interesting. Okay. So he conducted an experiment. He used samples of rotting meat that were either fully exposed to the air partially exposed to the air or not exposed to the open air at all. And he showed that both fully and partially exposed rotting meat developed fly maggots, whereas rotting meat that was not exposed to air did not develop them. So this oh theory... Oh are maggot spores just floating around in the air at all times and we're no, breathing them and they're touching us? It's fly poop, right? Oh my God. We don't Boat know anything. facts. You don't know what maggots are? <laughs> they're fly, they're they're the fly eggs. Yeah. yeah. So eggs wouldn't come from... Poop. Not what, poop, poop, but like <laughs> flies, like flies, like you know, stopping off, depositing their matter, and then bouncing. <laughs> they lay eggs that hatch yeah. into maggots that then become flies. So yeah. if it's exposed to the air, it allows for the fly to make contact with the meat to lay the egg lay and the possibly eggs. drop the excrement and then fly away. I just want to be clear that Kenyon doesn't think that maggots are fly poop, which is right, absolutely right. how no, that's happening. No, not poop, but like, yeah, the eggs. Like, you know, I mean, there's pro- do they do flies have both a vagina and a butthole? Probably not. It's probably one hole. A no? butthole? Okay, we're moving on. I'm Googling it, bug facts. Fly butthole. Fly butthole slash fly vagina. Oh, my God. So this discovery completely changed the way that people viewed the decomposition of organisms and prompted further investigations into insect <laughs> lifestyles and into entomology in general. Are you okay? No, <laughs> you will never be okay. <laughs> do, y'all, do not Google what I just Googled. <laughs> <laughs> because every... <laughs> I'm Googling it right now. Everything is about how do you get maggots in your vagina, and vagina oh. is never spelled correctly. V-H-A-Y-N-A. <laughs> <laughs> never spelled right. Do I'm flies so have buttholes? Come on. I got to keep moving. Keep Go moving. Go on. But also, keep on a side quest. Do we What's remember? you? Do we remember in The Keepers, that Netflix documentary, when that one woman had like a nebulous memory of brushing mm-hmm. the maggots off of Sister Kathy's face? And at first, that was like proof that it that it wasn't real because it was mm-hmm. like November. And then later it was proof yeah. that it like was totally real. Yup. Forensic yes, entomology. Because it was an yep. unusually warm fall. Warm. Yes. Yup. Yup. Oh, okay. my heart. The Keepers. I need to rewatch that again. I've watched so, it twice already. I, same. Okay, so circling back to my fun fact, if maggots really gross you out, you can start calling them by their other name, Gentles. Oh, almost worse. Just a vagina full of Gentles. <laughs> mm. 
Oh. <laughs> a vagina. Oh. A, ju- a, a vagina. vagina. Vagental. <laughs> Sounds like an instrument. I hate it. So forensic entomology can be divided into three different categories, two of which are really boring. <laughs> the first boring one is urban, and this typically concerns pest infestations in buildings in like legal cases between private parties and like yep. landlords or ex- roaches or exterminators if you're like mm. suing them for doing a bad job. I lived in a place that had roaches and mice. Not fun. I lived in mm-hmm. a place that was infested with those butt pinchers you were talking about. We got out of our lease. That's how bad it was. Mhm. Not uh, fun. Mm-mm. Oh. Loving no. being sunshine sun in a building that is only 2 <laughs> years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Praise be to Jesus Joe. <laughs> Okay, second boring one is stored product. And that relates to insect contamination of, excuse me, commercially distributed foods. So like Mm. when you see a photo on Reddit of like a dead tarantula inside a bag of iceberg lettuce. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or I can picture like exactly the photo you're referencing. Oh, yeah. Or that time that Scott found a full fucking moth in his salad at MHS and was like oddly chill about it. Mm -hmm. He was like a moth. In your salad? I've discovered a lot of bugs in when I when we used to have a CSA. Um I there was like a Swiss chard mm-hmm. example, exemplar that had a bunch <laughs> of stuff in it, and I thought I had gotten it all out and then I was eating and then and I still can't eat Swiss chard. Yeah, you get pretty used to it when you do like a CSA or you only do organic produce that doesn't use pesticides. You just have to be really thorough about cleaning your produce and then you're fine. But like, eh, and shard is hard bug. to clean. Shard is hard. Shard's yeah. hard. Mm. Okay, so then the third category, which is the most exciting one, is medico legal or medico criminal. Mm-hmm. So this covers mm-hmm. evidence gathered at the scenes of murder, suicide, rape, physical abuse, and contraband trafficking. So for murder investigations, as I mentioned earlier, it is crucial to determine the PMI, the post-mortem interval. And Mm -hmm. insect eggs can really help with that by figuring out when and where they first appeared and also in what order. Mm. Mm -hmm. So many insects exhibit a high degree of endemism. Which is means they only show up in certain places, like endemic endemism. Places yep. meaning like regions, regions or like under the left breast. No, okay. regions. That's what I figured. Mm-hmm. That's Make a fair sure. question, though. Mm-hmm. They also generally mm-hmm. have a well-defined phenology. And that's like when either during the day or the season they're active. Because right. obviously you're not going to find a monarch on a body in December. Right. In the Which Midwest. is like... A, such a brilliant way to determine things like cause of death or uh, time of death because there yeah. are so many factors associated with that bug that you find on that body. Well, fucking that can get determine to these it. things. It's so cool. It's, it's so cool. I love it. So, I'm obsessed with this topic. We'll get mm-hmm. to it. Yes. Okay, so these two factors make insects a particularly convenient measure when it comes to forensic evidence, and we've talked. Ugh, so excited for this we've talked before in the past about the factors that affect the state of a corpse like the decomposition mm-hmm. so like moisture levels whether the body is submerged in water or whether it's left Heat. out in the open sunlight 
Yep. Yep. Heat, snow, or like if it's in an arid climate, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So when we factor in bugs, then shit gets real interesting. For example, in a very humid environment, the body acts as an insulator. So the core of the body has a higher temperature and thereby faster maggot development. Okay. So Pressing the fast forward button on them maggots. Yeah. So I'm going to scroll down to a little fun fact. But um, a maggot, just for your reference, can take anywhere from three days to two months to become a fly. So that has a lot to do with temperature then? And like species of fly. But okay, like that's fair. They can, in a warmer climate, they're going to like birth faster than if it's colder, that's going to slow down their development. Yeah, that makes so sense. Scientists can deduce a lot by factoring in the temperature with the maturation of these insects. That's fucking so cool, dude. I know. That is so cool. It's so mm-hmm. cool. Okay, so another example if a body is found in salt water, Mm-hmm. So firstly, there's a barrier between the water decomposers and the air decomposers. So there's like a clear, you know, th- they're clearly different. different. Yeah. Um, also, the pH of salt water can affect the maturation of insects. And depending mm-hmm. on how far offshore the body is found, it could be determined where the person died, how far they floated. Like if they oh. found... And also, you don't find flies, like, in the middle of the ocean. So if you find evidence of flies on the body, you know that it started out closer to shore, already dead. Mm -hmm. Or on land, I would guess. Yeah. Right, and then dumped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. God, that's so cool. Insects are cold-blooded, so temperature and sun exposure really affect the types and numbers of insects. So, for example, temperatures from the mid-70s to the high 80s significantly reduces the developmental time for maggots in general. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Also, hanged bodies will attract flies for a shorter period of time because that body is getting more air exposure and therefore drying out faster. And the, f- okay. and the flies are looking for like a moist, moist yeah. environment to lay their yeah. eggs. That primordial okay. ooze within which to birth, birth, birth. We'll get to it in this no. next sentence. Plus no. those body fluids are going to leak out onto the floor. And that's actually where the majority of the action happens in terms of mm-hmm. the bugs. Love it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, so... You have to know your geography, your geography really well to be a forensic entomologist. So like we talked oh, about well, before, <laughs> <laughs> endemism can tell researchers, a t- oh my God, Ray, he is obsessed with my pink pens specifically, and he will stop mm. at nothing to get at them. Well, then you better relinquish them to him. He is a powerful well, they're beast. under the desk. Okay. Great, perfect. So for example... Okay, like we talked about before, endemism can tell investigators a ton about a body's location or prior location. For example, mm-hmm. the hairy maggot blowfly is super widespread, but it is not prevalent in Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, Louisiana, Florida, or Illinois. <laughs> okay, but it is prevalent in Minnesota. Yeah, Illinois and was like such a... It's pre- it's prevalent in a lot of places, but those yeah. specific places, not really. Yeah, blowflies are Amanda's the calling Tinder card history. Of my case. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I have dated a lot of blowflies in my day. Yeah. They like to bloviate and they're uh-huh. hairy. Ew. 
gross. I do like a hairy man. Mm. All of your exes are extraordinarily hairy. Yeah, but I Except ended up with the two. hairiest one of all. You Think did. of two that were you virtually did. hairless. William has an immaculate mane of hair. And a it's hair. widow's peak. He has a massive widow's peak. He's mm-hmm. he's perfect in every way. He's a vampire. <laughs> Uh-huh. He is straight out of interview with a vampire. Yeah. You should get him a blouse with a dash of for his John birthday. Snow. <gasps> I should get him a puffy blouse. He already has a Jon Snow cape. He needs a blouse. He needs like he a needs pirate a blouse. blouse. Mm-hmm. And yeah. some like leather pants that you like tie his, on. His birthday is basically is exactly 10 days from today. So I'm going to get on this. Yeah. Oh, Amazon okay. Prime mm-hmm. would get it to you in time. Sure would. Okay. So the family of insects so called. He's a Taurus. The family of insects called Califoridae, Californiae, mm. which are essentially blowflies, like the shiny, the, the smaller shiny flies. Mm-hmm. Those are usually the first kind of bug to arrive at a corpse. Flesh flies, unlike many Oop. kinds of Californiae, are able to fly in the rain, which depending oh. on the weather often makes them the first ones to begin feasting on a body. Oh, so that is something to consider when you if you see flesh flies like before the California flies. And then you could use forensic meteorology in tandem with forensic entomology to determine the time and place of death. Oh, my God. My nipples just got hard. (laughs) I feel like they have to go together. Yeah. (laughs) One way. (laughs) slip it off your chair okay there she goes (laughs) flies are generally the first kids to arrive at the party because like i said before they want that moist corpse for their offspring to feed on Mm -hmm. also blowflies can smell carrion up to 10 fucking miles away that's impressive yeah bitches don't even have noses they do though I mean, I know, but not like I was making a joke. Kenyan, like Google a human fly nose. nose. <laughs> I need fly to vagina, devote, fly nose. I need to devote special time to this search because I can't do, I can't multitask. And mm-hmm. it, it deserves my full attention. Okay. She right. So after the flies, the beetles come out, generally when the body is like farther along in decomposition. Mm. And uh, some types of beetles feed not only on the rotting flesh, but also on the various larvae from other insects. So it's like a fucking mm-hmm. beetle buffet. Like there's mm-hmm. just tons of food for beetles. Right. Mites can play a, a role in fucking up the PMI estimates because if mites arrive on the backs of the beetles and if there oh. are any unhatched fly eggs, the mites will eat the fly eggs, resulting in no maggots when there should be maggots. Complicated. Complicated. Bees and wasps actually do the same thing. Hmm. And in terms of. We can't even get into the the killer wasps. No. No. Murder hornets. Murder wasps. I fucking can't. I can't. 2020 is canceled. It literally is, though. Going outside will kill you, so. Okay, so this might be the grossest one on like the bug tier, the the decomposer tier. Love it. Moths are a little late to the party, but they are responsible for eating the leftover hair. Oh, yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all, considering how moths go after like clothing, like fibrous 
stuff. Of the body or of the like the body insects. Oh, the body. I mean, what's Mm -hmm. whatever's there. I love it. The fur, whatever. I love it. And contrary to nursery rhymes, worms don't really play a major role in decomposition. So worms, Interesting. worms eat any organic material and they also reproduce in like a bunch of different ways. Cause like I said, worms are fucking bonkers. Mm-hmm. So they're not exactly hard up for like a fresh corpse for survival. They just <laughs> okay. do their thing. They don't even have eyes, like whatever. They're fine. Okay. They're just out here living. They're just mm. squirming around. Mm-hmm. So there is so much fucking more to talk about. So I am extending this segment to Spooky Little Bitch for later this month. Oh, yeah. Spooky Little Bitch is love the Patreon exclusive show where I talk to other creeps about being creepy. So if you're interested and you're not a supporter on Patreon, get at it. Because any mm-hmm. a, a donation at any level will get you access to this content. One dollar um, a month on up, baby. Yes. Full access. Yeah. So I will be chatting with my friend Kaylee about bugs and coronavirus because she's a goddamn actual entomologist. And her yes. lab is currently running COVID tests because Iowa is a fucking dumpster fire right now. Accurate. Yeah. That's accurate. Yeah. So, yeah. If this intrigues you. Bright side. Check out Spooky Little Bitch coming up. Well Ooh. done. Cheers. Nicely done, Thank Mama. Thank you. Now I can drink my wine. Should we hear a quick word from our sponsors? Yeah. Yes, let's. One of the things I love about true crime is that the further you dig into a story, the more layers you uncover. It's like an onion. Oh, and peel it, baby. A- Yes, and that's a big part of what I love about the puzzle game Best Fiends. The more I play, the more fun it gets. Reaching new levels feels like uncovering a new layer in a story, one that you get to take part in. And the best part is, the longer you play Best Fiends, the more exciting it gets. It's actually really funny because the other day, our wonderful podcast colleague and close friend, Josh Hallmark, uh, gave me a heads up that he had surpassed me in Best <gasps> Fiends because I am connected to it on Facebook so I can play like against my friends. How and dare he? Knows, he? Uh, I know. He knows what like sick satisfaction I get from passing my friends in Facebook as much as the satisfaction I get from sending them like gifts and things in the game. <laughs> and he sought me out specifically to be like, I passed you and sent me screenshots. Really had a great moment with it. Oh, great. It was amazing. That's great. Yes. So like I was saying, this game is awesome because the longer you play it, the more exciting and the more new things you get to encounter within the game. They do like seasonal promotions that have these really fun little mini games. You get all these cool new characters that you can unlock as you go. And each character has different like special powers. So you have to select which character you want to use for each level to maximize their abilities within the level. So it's like this really awesome layered puzzle game that is so easy and fun to play. And you can play it in all kinds of weird places because you don't need internet to play. I love that. So if you're like, you know, taking a bubble bath and your internet does not necessarily reach all the way to the bathroom... No problem. Airplane. You don't even need it. Travel. 
Remember that? Seriously. Yeah. Remember when? <laughs> so it's a unique and exciting puzzle game experience, unlike other puzzle games out there. And I would know because I play a lot of puzzle games. And like I said, Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events so it never gets old. You literally don't beat the game. You don't run out of levels. It just keeps, this world keeps building. It's amazing. And Best Fiends treats the game like a service for their players. It does not require internet to play, so you don't need to worry about Wi-Fi access or using your cellular data. So play it underground. Play it on an airplane. Play it in the bathtub. Do you. You can collect all these amazing characters, and there are always fun new monthly themed challenges that change with the season. I love it. Tell us how to play, Lucy. Oh, here we go. Best Fiends has thousands of levels already, with new levels, events, and characters added every month. It's hours of fun right at your fingertips, and you can even play offline. With over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews, Best Fiends is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Are you ready for my case? Literally never. <laughs> it's for dark on multiple levels. Great. Back to her brand, people. Here we go. <laughs> I missed you. Oh, well, I'm welcome here. back. I've always, I've always been here. Kenyon's dark cases are like a warm hug. Mm. My dark heart All right, never so- left. <laughs> While writing this dark case, I had like multiple panic attacks that we had covered it before, and I don't think we have, but I think I just heard. I could tell a different from podcast your frenzied it. text messages this morning. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, okay, we haven't covered it, but I just, I, yeah, whatever. It's a very fascinating case, and okay, so. Cheryl Lynn Harper, who went by Lynn, was born in August 1946 in New Brunswick, Canada, which I did not bother to look up where New Brunswick is. Brunswick Lane, Bowling Alley, Canada. It's in Canada, but like <laughs> East Coast, West Coast, Middle, I don't know. Yeah. Um, she was the middle child and only daughter of Leslie and Shirley Harper, not an avant-garde lesbian couple. Leslie is a man. Damn it. Uh, So Lynn's father, Leslie, had previously worked as a teacher, but towards the beginning of World War II, he joined the Royal Canadian Air Force. Gorgeous. After the war, uh, the growing family moved around between different Air Force bases, and then in July 1957, they moved to a base in Clinton, Ontario, where her father served as a flight lieutenant. Cool. Love it. God bless the vitamins. Mm-hmm. And I am over-enunciating because the gin and tonic that I poured myself was really strong. <laughs> and getting dangerously low. So you better text your husband in the other room for a little delivery, mm. a little drop-off. Hey, babe. Yeah. Babe. 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 Ray. Okay. <laughs> yeah, where is Ray? I get concerned when I can't see Ray. Yeah, he's like a three-year-old. His tail he's is just on fire. Something's wrong. Too quiet. <laughs> We're going to get Lucy a, a, a pack and play for Ray. Oh, my God. He's cat. under my desk. <laughs> oh. oh, there's a dog in my backyard. I don't have a dog. You okay. also can't see your backyard from that room. Yes, I can. They can. I'm looking at it right now. You definitely can. There was a dog. It's fine. I've slept okay. in that room. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
So besides being an Air Force brat, Lynn had a very normal childhood. She spent her time with really wholesome childhood pursuits, including Sunday school, Bible study, and girl guides. So like Girl Scouts. Oh, that's very, brush. very sweet. But then on Tuesday, June 9th, 1959, when Lynn was just 12 years old, tragedy struck. No. Lynn had been riding on the handlebars of a classmate's bike, 14-year-old Stephen Truscott. Stephen and Lynn were in a combined grades 7 and 8 class at their base school and were friends. Some speculated that they were going steady. Oh. Um, And Stephen had a bit of a reputation for being more interested in girls than his studies. But, like, Mm. he's a 14-year-old boy. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Either way, the pair were riding on Stephen's bicycle on the county road near their school in the early evening. It was still early June, but it was already hot and muggy weather. Mm, Bugs. Hot and buggy. Hot and buggy. Hot, hot and Um, buggy. (laughs) (laughs) Around 7 p.m., Stephen said he dropped Lynn off at the intersection of County Road and Highway 8 for her to walk home. But Lynn never made it home. Damn it. At 11.20 p.m., her family reported her missing, so I'm sure they were just like, frantic when she like didn't come home for dinner didn't come home after dark like right you know the next morning the police constable questioned young steven in his police cruiser out in front of the school so like in front of everybody pulled him in for questioning steven told the constable that he dropped lynn off uh where she like left on foot and he added that he was as he was leaving on his bicycle He was, like, riding away from that road intersection, and he stopped on, like, a bridge, and he glanced back, and when he glanced back, he saw Lynn getting into a car. Okay. He described the vehicle as a, quote, late model Chevrolet, possibly a Bel Air model, gray or with, quote, a lot of chrome and a yellow license plate. Okay. Investigators dismissed this, however, insisting that Lynn, quote, wasn't the type of girl to hitchhike. It doesn't matter. It also doesn't mean she was hitchhiking. What if it was somebody she knew who stopped and was like, hey, do you want me to give you a ride home? Or like, can you you help me find my lost dog that is in Lucy's backyard Mm -hmm. right now? Or Or like, I have a gun. Get in the car. Yeah, right. or candy, which would easily force me into a car. I mean, that... Heath mm-hmm. bars? I hate when... I'm getting in yes, your car. I'm getting in your car. <laughs> I hate when investigators are like, oh, they wouldn't do that. We're just going to ignore this very yeah. crucial detail that will mm-hmm. quite literally bring this case together. I mean, it is Bye. part of, like, criminal profiling, but I also, like, none of the things that people, that investigators come up with just like fucking theories like that should be taken a hundred percent seriously. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't appear that investigators followed up this third party driver lead whatsoever. So like Steven, Steven told them he described the vehicle in pretty great detail. Zero follow up. Great. This is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Bye. 
The next afternoon, the Harper Valley Harper families Harper worst, Valley PT Harper, Harper Valley PT <laughs> the best song ever. My next tattoo. Yeah. Their worst fears were realized when their daughter's body was found in a nearby wooded lot. Some some describe it as like a bushy grove, basically mm-hmm. just like a piece of unused land on the edge sure. of a farm with like bushes and trees. Mm-hmm. Nature. Yep. Nature. The child, she's 12, remember. The child had been raped and strangled, and the murder weapon was her own blouse. So she was strangled with her own shirt. Ooh. 14-year-old Stephen was immediately considered the prime suspect. Fuck that. And on June 12th, he was taken into custody and charged with first-degree murder. As a juvenile, the charges were under the Juvenile Delinquents Act, but that didn't stop them from charging him as an adult. He's 14, and he didn't do it. What are... Why do we continually charge juveniles as an adult? Like, why is there even the age of 18? Right. We've complained Mm -hmm. about this so many fucking times before. It's absurd. It's absurd. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was the 50s and Canada, but it's still just so infuriating and horrible. So the trial began pretty soon after on September 16th. The prosecution pointed to Stephen being the last known person to see Lynn Harper alive, which he doesn't deny. Deny, besides, yeah, that's, besides that's true. Talking but about the car. But he also provided, like, crucial evidence in the case that mm-hmm. was just straight up ignored. Mm-hmm. They also pointed to abrasions, and some sometimes it's described as lesions on his penis, which the Crown claimed he, quote, could have sustained while committing the rape. He also could have sustained from masturbating too much as a 14-year-old boy and not using lube properly. Furiously Mm -hmm. masturbating daily. Probably all the time. I probably had those abrasions at 14. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. On my penis. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) My dick was torn to shreds. Raw. (laughs) It was bright red all the time. You don't childhood hump your teddy bear without getting a few abrasions couple mm-hmm. consequences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, throughout the <laughs> trial and thereafter, Stephen maintained his innocence and multiple witnesses also testified to seeing him around 8 p.m. that evening after when he said he'd drop Lynn off and said that at that time he appeared completely normal. So basically right after he had dropped Lynn off, he went and hung out with some of his other friends and mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, he was Totally normal. And also like, hi, that's essentially an alibi. Mm-hmm. The prosecution also called an expert witness, Dr. John Peniston. No. <laughs> Lots of penis in your case so far. I love a penis heavy case. <laughs> I chose this But case. not like in the way you would expect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's I so chose good. this case when I saw Dr. John Peniston. Oh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was it. That was the tipping yeah. point, the dicking point. I have 100% chosen a case for a topic where the case was not nearly as good as other cases I looked at mm-hmm. just because there was a silly name that I wanted to yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. On more than it. one occasion, I have done that. Peniston. Yeah, I get it. 
Dr. John Peniston. I mean, you can't beat it. What if it was was Richard Peniston? (laughs) Okay, you can beat it. Okay. (laughs) Get it? You can beat it. (laughs) Furiously. (laughs) You'll get abrasions. You will. (laughs) Okay. So... (laughs) <laughs> they call they called Dr. John Peniston to testify uh, to Lynn's estimated time of death. And Peniston was the local coroner and he performed the autopsy. I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it, but that is how you spell it. So. I think you're nailing it and that's exactly mm, how Peniston. you pronounce it. Yeah. Bug facts. So, it's Peniston. Hashtag, hashtag bug, bug facts. facts. Hashtag Dr. Dick Peniston. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So don't at, at me. Don't, <laughs> don't at me. <laughs> After examining the girl's stomach contents, Peniston decided on an incredibly narrow time window for the girl's death. He said that it had to have occurred between 7.15 and 7.45 p.m. on the evening of June 9th. The what? evening she Can didn't come home. Can you even get it down to that 30-minute window? What? That seems really impossible. What time did nope. the wrongly accused child drop her off from his bike? Like 4 p.m.? Literally, he said between 7 and 7.45 p.m. Yeah, in exactly oh. this window, he dropped her off and then he went and hung out with those friends around 8 p.m. who said he was acting totally normal. Exactly. So this time of death is so narrow and so specific that it almost it's feels like suspicious. accusatory of this kid. Yeah, they just wanted to... Exactly. Like, intentional. They wanted to convict him and put this away. That's Ooh, it. Kenyon, there are so many similarities between our two cases. Mm. They are not the same case, but, like, this shit... This, like, mm-hmm. predatory, almost, time of death mm-hmm. estimation is not uncommon, is what I yep. found. So, exactly like you guys said, this fit neatly in with the witness testimony of seeing Stephen and Lynn together on his bicycle at around 7 p.m., and then Stephen without Lynn at around mm-hmm. 8 p.m. So, there's so a literally hour were like, that had to be then. Then that hour, witnesses cannot corroborate seeing her alive with him. Mm-hmm. At all. That's so it's so just fucked. unaccounted for. That's so fucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's the just trial, a baby. He's 14. He's a baby the, buffin. The trial took only 15 days uh, before a jury found Stephen Truscott guilty. Despite the jury's sentencing recommendation of mercy for the boy. So they were like, oh, he's no. guilty, but like, please, you know, use mercy when sentencing him. He's really young. Oh, no. First-degree murder cases at the time required the death penalty. Required? What? And so the 14-year-old became the youngest person in Canada to ever be sentenced to death, which would have been by hanging. Oh, 14. Mm -hmm. There are photos on the drive. Go look at photos on the drive of both Lynn and him. It really drives home just how fucking young 14 is. Yeah. I was looking at these two. (gasps) She looks just like my cousin. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. He's a he's He's a a child. He's teensy tiny. He's just getting in his jawline. Yeah. That's how innocent he is. Mm hmm. So, believe it or not, his conviction and death sentence weren't all that controversial at the time. But attitudes It was the had, 50s. 
Yeah. Attitudes had thankfully began to shift by the mid-1960s. So within like five to ten years, people started to be like, hey, maybe this isn't okay. So he's not executed yet? No. Okay. For the first few years, Stephen was held in a juvenile prison facility before being moved to an adult penitentiary when he turned 18. And then in January 1960, Stephen's sentence was commuted from death to life imprisonment. So I mean, they thank did God. get rid of Which the is death actually, sentence. I mean, again, this is Canada, not the U.S., but like mm-hmm. for us, for our history in the United States, in cases as close back in history as the 50s, those sentences of death were carried out way faster than they are now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. so that margin of error to go back and then go, oh, wait, shit, we fucked up. Like, that person's already dead. The damage has already been done. It took a long time for people to realize they had fucked up, but thankfully he wasn't, that the sentence wasn't carried out in that time. So So when you get frustrated that people in the U.S. are sitting on death row for a long time, think of the fact that, like, a lot of people are wrongfully convicted. Mm Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so around around this time, the Canadian Parliament was also debating the abolition of capital punishment, but it they they didn't actually abolish it until the mid seventies. But it was starting to be discussed, so that kind of played into it as well. Sure. He also had two failed attempts at being granted an appeal, so it's not like his appeal failed. He like tried to get an appeal and wasn't given one granted the appeal yeah yeah and that first happened in 1960 and then again in 1967 at at the canadian supreme court and and he's so young so he's just like you can't understand really what's going Mm -hmm. on and how the Mm -hmm. justice system works and so you're just at the mercy of whoever is taking care of you and you can just hope that they have your best interests at heart Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even like, though he fuck. wasn't that young at that point, like if you go into the system at age 14, at it's 14. not like you're really necessarily continuing your education and like you're, you know, you don't just your you don't, development was, as a human is completely yeah, destroyed. You have at that like part, no point. applicable world experience outside uh-huh. of your immediate surroundings that has to outside have been of prison. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So his case began to garner some public attention um, as as a possible wrongful conviction, especially in 1966 when author Isabelle Laborde published a book about his case, which which unpacked all the evidence and, and really defended him. So starting in 1966, people started to be like, well, maybe he's not actually guilty. Um, but then again, he was not granted an appeal the following year. So mm. another fucking legal option was close to him. But then after serving a decade in prison, Stephen Truscott was released on parole at the age of 24. Oh, good. Yeah. So he just wanted to move on with his life. So he changed his name, maybe not legally, but he like went by a different name. Sure. Moved That's to a different weird. town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So started a podcast with his two best friends. <laughs> And he got a job as a millwright, which I looked up. It's a person who either designs or builds mills or maintains mill machinery. Mm. Cool. Okay. What's a oh. mill? <laughs> yeah. Great question. Didn't look that up. Um, but but I think it's like a fly anus. Um, but he <laughs> learned. It's a gentle. It's a type of vagental. 
Yeah. It's a vagental. <laughs> it's a treatment he- for your acute vagental. It's a silver gel that is recommended to be applied to your vagina to clear up yeast infections. Oh, the gel? And mayflies. The it's gel? It's the gel. It's Herbalife. <laughs> so he actually learned how to become a millwright, whatever the fuck that is, in prison. <laughs> So in 1970, Stephen met and married his wife, Marlene, and the couple went on to have three children together. They are still together. I love it. For the next three decades, Stephen maintained a low profile. He was never charged with another criminal offense and never spoke publicly about the case. Yeah, so, why would you? I don't blame yeah, him at just, all. That I would want to leave that in the rear view. Completely behind. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In 1997, Innocence Canada, which is like the Innocence Project, became interested in his case. And after a three-plus-year independent investigation, they submitted an application for a ministerial review of his conviction. Okay. The investigation uncovered significant issues with the forensic evidence presented at Stephen's trial. Number one. Expert witnesses who now testified that the lesions on Stephen's penis were unlikely to have been caused by sexual intercourse. Hi. Because mm-hmm. it was you. Vag- it was you. <laughs> the gentles yeah. aren't made of wood and sandpaper. Or mm-hmm. like steel wool. <laughs> hmm Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like also, he's riding his bike everywhere. Yeah. Your vagental is more likely to be abrased by a penis than the other right, way around. Right, than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your vagental. <laughs> also, is abrased a verb? To no. abrase. It is now. I want some abrased pork. Bug facts. Abrased. <laughs> it's now a verb. Okay, number two. Medical experts uh, disputed the coroner's original analysis of the time of death based on Lynn's stomach contents. So, in nineteen, I love stomach contents. Me too. In nineteen fifty nine, the study of the body's gastric emptying process. So, like how food is broken down in the stomach. How How you you fart. (laughs) (laughs) That and that. Bug facts. (laughs) But hashtag bug facts was, quote, still in its infancy. Whereas now, in 2006 or whenever this was, the field had. (laughs) So hot. The field had greatly advanced and experts were aware of the variability of the process depending on factors like age, gender, diet, and stress level, whether or not somebody has IBS. Yeah. Hi. The answer is Guilty. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Say yes to IBS. Yeah. IBS? Why yes? Well, yes, I do have IBS. And I do have IBS. <laughs> Who doesn't? She irritable. <laughs> she real irritated. <laughs> she real abrased. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> experts testify that there is no fucking way that someone could know from the stomach contents that this death occurred between 7.15 and 7.45 p.m. Like fucking. No, too narrow. He's full of shit. Off. Too narrow. Yeah. yeah. Full of shit. Ugh. So in 2006, Lynn's body was also exhumed and tested for DNA evidence, but the remains were in such a decomposed condition that nothing usable was gleaned, which, like, is not shocking. It had been buried for 40-some years. Right. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. 
During the trial, a justice also asked one of the original investigating officers, who had long since retired at that point. I think by this point he was in his 80s, and at the time of the investigation he had been just like a junior officer. Quote, Did the thought ever cross your mind that for someone to strangle her and then sexually assault her, you might want to be looking for someone who is more of a pervert, more of a sexual psychopath? And not just a fucking 14-year-old kid giving a neighbor girl a ride on his bicycle. Yeah. Who was like, like her most, classmate? Yes, this is like the most picturesque. Like, this is my childhood personified. She was like was riding my, on his pegs on his bike. Yes. It was, my it sister was now and, I, and then. It literally. It my sister Devin and I were Sala. like the only girls in our neighborhood full of boys. Mm-hmm. We'd ride on the handlebars bo- yeah. of the bikes. We were like out playing all day. Mm-hmm. Also, like, obviously there are exceptions, but most 14-year-old boys are not yet sick of furiously masturbating, so they're probably not Mm going to resort to murder and then rape or the other way around to get your rocks off. It's it's more of a gradual process. Exactly. And this kid doesn't have a clear history of, like, hurting animals. Hurting or animals. Or, yeah, like, other behavior that would indicate. You don't just all of a sudden at the age of 14 give your friend a ride and then rape and murder her in the woods. Strangle her with her own shirt. That's just not... That's not a point A to point B with a linear path. It's just not. Mm -hmm. I understand Mm -hmm. the temptation to accuse him at the beginning because he's the last one who was seen with her and he's a man, quote unquote. But like, Mm -hmm. no, the the husband did it. The man did it does not always apply, particularly to a 14 year old fucking boy who was Mm -hmm. just being nice to his friend. Also, we're experts, so they should have consulted us had we been alive. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) But the key piece of new evidence was the testimony of three forensic entomologists who studied photographs and bug samples collected at the crime scene uh, during the original investigation. So this evidence wasn't actually used during the original trial at all. But now it was being re-examined and it revealed a fatal flaw in the prosecution's version of events. Son of a bitch. Uh. You ate up decades Uh. of this sweet baby boy's life. I am so mad at you. And I am quite drunk. (laughs) Son of a bitch. I am wasted. Bitch. How feelings dare you? Okay. I'm sweaty. I'm buzzed. I'm very sweaty. And I'm I am red wine sweaty. I am right sweaty now. and buzzed. That's the name of our yep. other podcast. Mm. Okay. Ugh, sweaty and bugged. <laughs> it's just a forensic entomology <laughs> podcast. Hashtag bug facts. Sweaty and bugged with Kenny and Lucy and Amanda. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't okay. want to watch that. <laughs> so, quote. Well, good, because you can just listen to it. <laughs> I'm Whoa. drunk. Initial blowfly colonization occurred during daylight hours of June 10th, 1959. The Mm -hmm. collected larvae were not likely to have been deposited on the body before dark, so before Mm -mm. sunset at 9.40 p.m. that night. 
on June 9, 1959, as this would have resulted in significantly larger and more advanced larval instar than were mm-hmm. collected at the scene or autopsy. So, Preach, bug daddy. Preach. Mm. <laughs> Preach. Preach, bug daddy. Bug daddy. Preach. Preach. (laughs) Leech, bug daddy. Leech, bug daddy. Bleach. I know that. Bleach. So basically there weren't enough fucking bugs for her to have been left there at 8 p.m. the previous night. She was definitely left there the following morning. The next day. Follow the yep. bugs! Oh, f- always follow so, the bugs. Follow, follow the, bugs. the bugs and follow the money. The only things that matter. <laughs> you turned a corner real fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> follow the bug money. <laughs> Blood money and bug money, people. <laughs> bug diamond. <laughs> Bush did 9-11. <laughs> Bug diamond. Bug did 9-11. Bug did 9-11. Snakes on a plane? No. Oh, my God. Bugs on a plane. (laughs) A bug's life. Okay. (gasps) I'm fully watching a bug's life after this. Okay. Quick quick question. Bug's life, ants, double feature. Bugs bugs life or ants? Bug's life or ants? Bugs bug's life for me. But I like them both. Ants is funnier. Ants, ants is funny. It is funnier. But A Bug's Life is just more nostalgic. It's a more enjoyable film. It's just well, a more enjoyable film. you just like film. it because it was Pixar. And I think Ants was like some Disney ratchet knockoff Pixar. I think it was DreamWorks, <laughs> but it's cool. Ratchet <laughs> knockoff Pixar. <laughs> <laughs> DreamWorks is a very well-established production company. Some ratchet knockoff. Some fucking back alley ratchet ass knockoff. They came out at like the same time. You had to choose. They sure did. This episode is sponsored by DreamWorks. Not definitely not DreamWorks. (laughs) Okay, so in other words, the original time of death was wrong by at least twelve hours. Lynn's body was dumped in the woods. You don't fucking say. On the morning of June 10th, not the evening of June 9th. And Stephen Truscott had an ironclad alibi for the morning of June 10th because he Mm -hmm. was literally being interrogated in a police cruiser by the constable. Oh, my God. Look at the receipts. God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Holy shit. Years, decades of this boy's life. Decades. Imagine imagine saying goodbye to between. Yeah, between 14 and 24. Just the best 10 years of your life. Hands Mm -hmm. down. Or or, certainly some of the most like crucial. What is it called? Developmental. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So even more troubling was evidence to suggest that the coroner, Dr. Peniston, may have been pressured to change his initial findings in order to align with the investigators' theories at the time. I know you are shocked. So Innocence Canada discovered, quote, two unofficial versions of Lynn's autopsy report that had not been made available to the jurors during the original trial. 
In that is illegal. That mm. is illegal in the U.S. We don't know about Canada. It's a mystery That's land. Fair. It's the Wild North. Holy shit! In both of these original autopsy reports, Doctor Peniston estimated Lynn's time of death to be hours later than he would later claim in the official autopsy. So he just kept moving it up. You're to fucking go. under oath. You're under uh, like Sue he needs Peniston. to be tried for perjury. Mm. Fuck and. Peniston. In 1966, when Stephen was hoping to be granted an appeal by the Supreme Court, Dr. Peniston submitted a, quote, agonizing reappraisal of his initial findings. So he felt guilty. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Six years later, seven years later, and submitted it during this appeal process and said, you know, I was wrong. But this report was somehow never given to Stephen's defense team or to the judges. What fucking? It was blocked Ill- by the prosecution. Somebody what fucking, fucking Illuminati shit is going on here. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. though, Lucy, this shit happens all the time. I know. Mm-hmm. All like, the time. It's I just, so sick. I just wish that we had a system that didn't somehow like reward or like entice certain people to put 14-year-olds in jail. If there were a completely like third-party nonpartisan review board for any of this information to filter through before it even gets Mm -hmm. into the hand of like prosecutors or defense. Mm -hmm. And like, but that's what, that's what judges are supposed to be. They're supposed to be Mm -hmm. nonpartisan. They super are not. It's mm-hmm. just really hard to pro- mm-hmm. to like digest this kind of information, especially when this shit is happening to a 14-year-old child. I know. I know. It's devastating. If this report had been submitted to the correct people, it's likely that he would have been granted a new trial and, you know, could have could have been exonerated decades earlier. If Dick Peniston had Mm -hmm. presented this information in the first round, Mm -hmm. he likely never would have been convicted in the first place. Mm -hmm. Also true. Did did he say what his motivations were for like essentially lying? He didn't. He never said that he lied. He just said that he was incorrect. And upon reevaluating, he now believes based on the evidence. Go fuck yourself. Like, Go fuck everyone yourself. makes mistakes, but seriously, that's a mm-hmm. big fucking mistake. This isn't make. even a mistake. This is like some weak motherfucker bending under the pressure mm-hmm. of a prosecution. Or yeah. he was just fucking lazy and he gave the testimony that he knew would put this to bed the fastest. Mm-hmm. It's it just, could be a lot of uh, things. Mm-hmm. But I love going to bed the fastest, to, but to, not at the expense of a life. To sit on it for a decade while a child sits in jail is... How do you mm-hmm. sleep at night? Mm-hmm. I don't know. On a Serta mattress, probably. Mm-hmm. Probably. So thanks to forensic entomology, on August 28th, 2007, some 45 years after the trial... Stephen Truscott's murder conviction was quashed, and he was officially acquitted of the murder of Lynn Harper. Thank God he was released on parole, because otherwise yeah. he would just still have been rotting in jail for a crime for he didn't commit. For 45 years, yeah. Stephen received $6.5 million, although Canadian, so like... 
whatever that is. More. (laughs) (laughs) It is like $4 million. Compensation for having been wrongfully convicted and serving 10 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Not to mention, quote, nearly half a century as an innocent man stigmatized as a rapist and a murderer. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I bet he got and then, fucked up in prison. But mm. yeah. Well, he, yeah, he was young. I mean, he was moved to federal adult penitentiary when he was yeah, but 18. Like, he was technically a child rapist in prison, too. Like, yeah, that was that the usually label is not that well he received. Got. That's not great. Mm-hmm. No. So one really sad footnote, because, of course, we have to end on a sadder note oh, in this great. case. It's a, like on case. us like a bug egg. Then, like, <laughs> one child being murdered and one child being put away for a crime he didn't commit. Just but spread on the it. fly poop over all this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a sad footnote to this already heartbreaking case is the fact that Lynn's family still believes that Stephen Truscott is guilty of Lynn's murder. Like, they won't. They won't won't give it up. And at the time of the acquittal in 2007, Leslie Harper, Lynn's father, was 90 years old and living in a nursing home, and he stayed up all night to read the court's 300-page judgment that acquitted Stephen. And, quote, even after all these years, Mr. Harper cannot force himself to say Mr. Truscott's name out loud. I mean, I get it when you are a family who is so desperate for justice. It's really hard to accept this. Like so much emotion over decades. I mean, a case that this actually really reminds me of is the case of Ednan Syed and how Heyman Lee's family still staunchly believes that he's responsible, even with all of the evidence that would show that he is not. And we don't have answers in that case honestly at all but it's like i can understand from a victim's family perspective how you just cling to that because like the alternative is almost worse now that person is completely unknown they're just out there it's so long ago that we can't go back and yeah there's basically no hope of ever finding you're knowing your daughter's grave all over again you're just digging it up it would be so hard so i can't i can't get mad at them but it is really frustrating and that's so much harder to, mm-hmm. to for him, snatch for away the kid. that family's sense of closure, mm-hmm. I, that, I don't. Ugh. I don't blame them. It's too no. It's too bad. But like, you can't blame them for that. They they needed mm-hmm. they needed somebody to be held accountable for this. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there is no fucking way. No. That a 14-year-old with absolutely no history of violence or or a, of bad behavior, nothing. And an airtight alibi for the time of death. Mm-hmm. Could have possibly killed his friend and classmate slash maybe girlfriend, dumped mm-hmm. her body, killed and then raped, dumped mm-hmm. her body, then immediately within the when next hung out 15 with minutes, went and hung out with friends, appeared completely normal, and then... And then once released from prison, led a completely normal life the rest of his not life. Possible. It's not this possible. This is seriously a mirror of the Adnan Syed mm-hmm. case. Yeah. It kind of Go- is. Going to hang out with his friends 45 minutes after he killed Hay or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Ugh, it's gross. So anyway, Ooh. so that's my case. Heartbreaking so there and terrible. There is no justice. None, because we have no idea who they did it. They never. Well, no. I mean, they had they had an eyewitness 
seeing her enter a vehicle and a description yep. of the vehicle and they just never followed it up and now and it's if basically they had, too late. If they had, we'd have so much more evidence. Yeah. How do you follow up on a car that you didn't get the exact plate number for in the 50s well, decades I mean, later? Yeah, decades later you can't. They missed their window for sure and that's too bad, but... Thank you for sharing this case with us because it's super dark and fucked up and totally on brand for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you. Let's hear a word from our sponsors. Yeah. Let's do it. As folks adapt to this ever-changing world, we are all going to be buying more stuff online than ever before. And if my credit card statement has anything to say about it, that's that's a confirmation. That's a yes. My online shopping has become almost a problem. I'm fine. It's fine. You know who it's not a problem for? Those vendors who use ShipStation. Yes. Kind of like us. Mm -hmm. Our merch store has been thriving. And I got to say, it is so convenient and easy to send things out via ShipStation. It's an absolute lifesaver, seriously. Preach. So ShipStation helps online sellers of any size get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep customers happy. No matter what you're selling on Amazon, Etsy, your own website, wine and crime podcast at bigcartel.com, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. It is really simple. I've got the app on my phone. So Mm -hmm. I can manage orders. I can search things. I can answer questions from any device. Mm -hmm. Love that. Uh, Yeah, it's a lifesaver. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can Mm -hmm. compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They also offer big discounts on shipping costs, like cherry on top. So now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for like Fortune 500 companies. Yes. Yeah. So you will always know that you're getting the best deal. It's no wonder that ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You will ship more in less time with the best rates available. Real talk. And right now, Wine and Crime listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use our offer code GALS. Make sure your business is ready to meet the demands of delivery culture. Get started at ShipStation.com today. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in GALS, G-A-L-S. That's ShipStation.com. Then enter offer code GALS. ShipStation, make ship happen. Oh, make it. The Fall Line is a true crime podcast from Exactly Right, ever heard of it, and covers cold cases in the southeastern United States, one of my favorite regions. A deep south. deep southeast. (laughs) The Fall Line focuses on missing persons, homicides, and unidentified persons whose cases have gotten a little, if any, media attention. This is so important. I love that they're shedding light on these cases that are just going pretty much unnoticed by the media. Tell us more. Oh, some of those cases are so gnarly. So Mm -hmm. recent coverage includes missing and murdered women and girls of the Carolinas and a number of Jane Doe cases. Future episodes will go deep on the victims of serial killer Samuel Little. Oh, so chilling. Such a creep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Through a combination of narrative storytelling, primary and archival research, the Fall Line introduces listeners to victims and survivors they've never heard of and explores why their cases were ignored in the first place. Seriously, it's so epic. So look for new episodes from The Fall Line each Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts and check them out at thefalllinepodcast.com and treat your ears. Oh, treat them. Are you ready for my case? Oh, yeah. am I? Also pretty sad and full of injustice. <laughs> bugs! Yay! Who knew bugs were so depressing? <laughs> yeah, who knew? So this story is pretty wild, so buckle up. So in July of 2001, a man named Richard Schott was dumpster diving in a parking lot in Las Vegas, Nevada. God bless him. And I know. I mean, same. While sifting through the refuse for cans that he could turn in for cash at a local recycling facility, he lifted a cardboard box that was lying on the ground. But instead of cans, he found the body of Duran St. Louis Bailey, a 44-year-old homeless man who had made his way from Missouri to Las Vegas in 1997. St. Louis, like a a particularly sad Johnny Cash song. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God, it good. is. Yeah. Kinda. Mm. With his Richard, friend Moriarty, they oh, hitchhiked no. across no. America. <laughs> no. Richard was afraid and grappled with the idea of calling the police. He said in an interview, quote, I said to myself, I got to get out of here, but decided to do the right thing. And I can't blame him for wanting to run as Duran's body was disturbingly mutilated. He had been severely beaten, his eyes swollen, completely shut, his skull cracked, several of his teeth were knocked out and just scattered nearby, and there was a shocking amount of blood for his carotid had been cut and his rectum slashed and penis removed. So much penis in this episode. It was a a A penis-heavy episode. A lot of mm-hmm. penis. That's also really disturbing. So disturbing. But also, mm. if his teeth were scattered around, at least you know where he was assaulted. Yeah, he right there. I mean, he had the shit beaten out of him, and then he was completely mutilated, like, before, during, and after death. Ugh. So three hours north of Las Vegas in Panaca, Nevada, lived 18-year-old Kristen Lobato. In May of 2001... Two months prior to Duran's death, Kristen reported that while visiting friends in Las Vegas, she was assaulted by a man in a motel parking lot who was attempting to rape her. Kristen is a boss B and carries a knife for protection gifted to her by her father. And amid the violent attack, she reached for her knife and defended herself, slashing at the man's groin and then running to her car where she was able to escape, leaving him bleeding from the dick in the parking lot. Yes. Fucking yes. Too bad he didn't cut it off. I know. Well, that's okay. But she she did see him alive and like crying and writhing in pain when she left. So she left this person in that parking lot alive. And quite frankly, if you get your dick slashed while attempting to rape someone, you totally deserved it. I mean, pay to play, baby. Yep, you pay to play. So, so this man was never apprehended, and Kristen understandably shared her story with friends and family several times in the week following. I know I would be telling 
anyone who would listen about I the would asshole. get that shit emblazoned yep. on a fucking pink ladies jacket. Yes, I've, about the asshole who tried yeah. to rape me and then I stabbed in the dong and successfully yeah. got away. That you would think, be my epitaph. You for think life. Trump tweets a lot? Hi. Yeah. <laughs> get used I'm to bragging it. about that for the rest of my days. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it turns out this story planted an interesting seed of curiosity when the mysterious case of Duran Bailey started circulating in July. Someone who had heard Kristen's tale of victory over her attacker, attacker felt her tale of victory. <laughs> mm-hmm. Felt the two cases could be connected and called the Las Vegas Police Department to bring Kristen's story to their attention. According to innocenceproject.org, quote, Las Vegas Metro Police Department detectives received a phone call from a Panaka resident who had heard from another Panaka resident that Lobato had told her that she had cut off a man's penis in Las Vegas. So we're dealing with a game of telephone right now. Yeah, absolutely. And suddenly slashing in self-defense has suddenly cutting off cutting off a man's dick in Vegas. And like cutting off their butthole? Yeah. I don't know how you slash a rectum, but... Yep. And scattering their teeth. Yep. Based mm-hmm. on that attenuated story alone, detectives immediately drove the three hours to Panaka from Las Vegas. Upon arriving at Lobato's family home, the detectives told Lobato that they knew she had recently been attacked. The police recorded Great. a statement. Are you going to find my attacker? You're going to fucking do are anything you about bring it? Me justice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quite frankly. Oh, no. Yeah, no. We're just going to accuse you of a different unrelated crime. So the police recorded a statement in which Lobato described the attempted rape in late May, stating that it had happened at least a month ago, clearly describing a motel parking lot as a location and not a dumpster, and describing a man who was mobile and alive when she left and not beaten to death, as was Bailey. Under the mistaken belief that police were informing her that the man who tried to rape her had died, she expressed remorse and made other comments that the detective took as a confession for Bailey's murder, Duran Bailey's murder. Even though the event Lobato described was glaringly at odds with the basic facts of his killing. Oh my God. Yep. Fucking So these wow. were possibly two completely different people. They literally were two completely different people. They, the police came to her because of this game of telephone that got reported to them. Right. Thought the two cases sounded similar enough that, hey, maybe they're the same case. Did they go, go there and- with the intent of extracting a confession from her? Did they, I, like, I mean, dupe her into it a little bit? I feel like they didn't listen to the timeline that she was clearly laying out and then made her, led her to believe that the two cases were the same, even though the facts of the case show that they were not. So there was also sufficient motive and opportunity pointing toward a handful of men living in an apartment complex adjacent to the parking lot where Duran was found. A female oh. resident... Yeah, get this. A female resident of this building had reported to police a week before Duran's death that she had been raped by Duran. She also shared this information with several of her neighbors who confronted him several times since her rape and leading up to his death. So basic Mm -hmm. police work would have uncovered this. Yep. They had motive. They had means. A hundred percent. The timeline was more accurate. Like they had a reason to beat the shit out of this guy and mm-hmm. fuck with him and leave him behind a dumpster and in cut the off same his dick. 
Yes, in the same parking lot that that this residential community uses to park where this woman was raped, their Jesus friend. Christ. Like this was vigilante justice in their minds. Yeah. But the right. police just didn't give a shit. Somehow, even armed with this information, Kristen admitted admitting that she stabbed a man in the groin months prior and left him alive and not beaten relentlessly was enough for Vegas PD to get an arrest warrant. And Kristen was taken into custody and charged with Duran's murder. And again, she's 18 years old. 18. Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm fucking speechless. This case is the worst. So she good job for sorry. like keeping your safety in your own like hands and control by carrying that knife and like mm-hmm. and yeah. now end up getting completely fucked by the cops. Now you're going to get charged with murder by because of botched police work by the people that are paid by our fucking taxes to protect and serve. I I I understand wanting to solve and close a case and get those numbers up for mm-hmm. police but like Motherfucker! If it I really, really feel like we have sense. a problem, we have a problem in this nation with statistics over justice. It's, it's just—it's mm, mind-blowing. It's, it's so fucking mind-blowing. And anyone, anybody, about, anybody mm-hmm. could fall into that, and particularly yeah, people a, of color, as if as we've discussed before. But like, and I mean, in this case, this is a young white woman, and the victim is a person of color. So no, like, they don't give a shit about seeking justice for this victim. It's low-hanging and, fruit. She yeah, it's low hanging fruit. She's an eighteen year old girl. Like fuck. So she obviously pleaded not guilty and denied any involvement in this crime. And the prosecution's main tactic was time of death, as Kristen had a solid alibi for much of the day of Duran's murder. Pathologists had determined Duran's time of death to be about ten p.m., a mere fifteen to twenty minutes before he was discovered by the by that guy Richard or whatever his name was. Kristen had a solid alibi for the majority of the day in question, and things were looking pretty good for her case until the pathologist who was speaking for the prosecution changed his mind and submitted Mm. new testimony in court twice. Mm. You can't do that. You sure can. And he did. First, changing the window of time of death to 12 hours before discovery, then to 24 hours. Oh, no big deal. 10 minutes yep. to 24 hours. Yep. Well, in the life cycle of the fly larva, that's a long, that's a it's literal huge. lifetime. It's a lifetime. It's a, it's a lifetime. literal <laughs> lifetime. And without alibis for her whereabouts through all of these ever-changing windows, Kristen was found guilty of first-degree murder and sexual penetration of a dead body, even without a shred of physical evidence placing her at the scene. My God! Not so a their of physical evidence. so their theory is that this eighteen year old girl, someone attempted to rape her a month prior. Mm-hmm. She defended herself, got away. She mm-hmm. lives three hours away from where this mm-hmm. occurred, and at some point a month later, she somehow discovered who her attempted rapist was and where he could be found, and she tracked him down. And then beat and killed him? <laughs> Completely yep, think, mutilated him. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And, and again, no physical evidence linked her to the scene, even though if she had beaten someone and mutilated them that intensely, she would have left behind DNA. There's just no way. I, I, she also would have been gone for a minimum of six hours, driving yep, and the three entire hours one case, way and three hours back. Exactly. And the entire case on the 
side of the prosecution hinged on that time of death window so that they could debunk the little the 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 solid alibi she had for the original time of death. Uh, mm. We are clearly not professional investigators, but mm. speak for yourself. It is lunacy to mm-hmm. assume. Mm-hmm. I mean, just be, mm. given the basic evidence that a mm. that a an eighteen year old woman is likely to fuck up a. Per a bo- a full it's, grown it's man's body like that, not like dump it in a all. fucking dumpster. Like it, mm. no, it, like hide it. Be- it she would have attacked it behind the dump, attacked him behind the dumpster, put a put a piece of cardboard over him, and take it off. It's still not. It's still it's so out thing. of the realm of possibility. It's not it's, a thing. No, it makes no sense. It makes no Mm-mm. sense with and l- not leaving by a single hair. Nope. A single trace of DNA no. to tie her to that Mm-mm. bloody scene. I don't fucking think so. A full grown man. There are so many red flags so. in this that like any responsible person who was involved in this case should have stopped. Anyone it. with a brain. I can't believe the jury. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I can't. There's so much. Oh, so God. the conviction was almost immediately overturned due to copious errors throughout the trial. And in 2006, Kristen was retried. For the same murder that she did not commit, once again, the same pathologist changed his time of death window, now between 8 and 14 hours before discovery, and injustice was served again, and Kristen was convicted of voluntary manslaughter and sexual penetration of a body, and required to register as a sex offender for the rest of her life. She was sentenced to, quote, 40 to 100 years in prison. No. This victim. She defended herself against Against an attempted rape. Yep. There's no justice. But the cases were just similar enough that if she slashed at somebody's dick, she probably would do it again. They're obviously and go track not. Him down. An abrased penis is clearly not that much of an, an anomaly as we've learned nope. in this episode. Like, mm-hmm. are you fucking kidding me? This is just, it's just, it's so fucked up. Ugh. So now we're going to get into the entomology because that's what this whole episode is about. In 2009, Nine, I'm so drunk. A man named Hans Schurer, who edits and publishes a magazine <laughs> called Justice Denied, contacted forensic entomologist Gail Anderson, providing photographs of Duran's body at the scene and begging for help. Gail's first instinct was to say no, as very little can be determined from photos of a maggot or a fly. She would actually need to handle and analyze the specimens to really be right. able to contribute. When Gail was informed that the body didn't have a single maggot or fly, her curiosity peaked and she agreed to take a look. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If not a single insect was found on the body and the pathologist is arguing time of death could have been up to 24 hours before discovery or eight to 14 hours before discovery. Not north of Las Vegas, baby. Uh -uh. Something was clearly not adding up. Also, I fucking love Gail. And if I were to see her on the street, I would simply assume she was a bug expert. So go to the drive slash blog and look at this flawless woman posing with bugs. I'm in the wrong folder. Damn it. I love her so much. She's fucking perfect. She looks like a bug. She is. She's. This is the part she was born to play. She's a bug. She's incredible. Her eyebrows are antenna. I love her so much. I love. 
Oh, she's bug Am I tattoos. Too drunk for this, I can't see her. She's, she's got real right thin antenna-ish eyebrows. <gasps> she yeah, looks yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. It's the photos that aren't yours. <laughs> yeah. Definitely a bug expert. Yep. She's a bug. Yep. So she's in a, a blog post, Kale Gale, Kale. I'm so hungry. Gail writes, quote, <laughs> insects, in particular blowflies, are the first witnesses to a crime. The they are ten attracted. Miles. Ten miles, yep. people. Ten miles. They are attracted to a body immediately after death if the conditions are appropriate. They are attracted to lay their eggs close to wounds or orifices so that the newly hatched first instar and first stage larvae can feed on liquid protein because at this stage they are unable to break an adult human's dry skin. Moist. This means the the female adults are very good at locating wound sites so their offspring can feed on blood. They're basically sharks. They're bug sharks. Yep. She continues on to say blowflies will lay large clumps of eggs on the body that are clearly visible. They look a bit like a, this is for Kenyon, a small clump of grated Parmesan cheese. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What the fuck? Low fucking blow. So sprinkle (laughs) some blowfly larvae on your spagging balls later tonight, people. That not was enough, not enough gentle, to make me start gentle, eating Gentles. Vagentles. Vagentles. <laughs> it doesn't oh, help it. that I've drank almost a full bottle of wine yeah. at this point. You're killing it. But. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> Even single eggs are one to two millimeters long, so they can easily be seen in a photograph. In this case, absolutely no insect evidence was present on the body. In Lobato's case, almost all circumstances were perfect for insect colonization. The season was summer, the weather was hot, and the body was exposed outdoors with only a few pieces of trash covering him, which would not have impeded insects. And the body near was a dumpster where they already are hanging and out in anyway. Las I Vegas, know. you're surrounded by trash. By bugs <laughs> and garbage. <laughs> um, the body was covered in wounds and very bloody, so it would have been extremely attractive. The only explanation for the lack of eggs on the body was that the victim died after sunset on the same night his body was discovered. And even then, you'd probably have moths. The probably. Hair, unless he's bald. So, yeah, that's true. So, Gail immediately submitted an affidavit stating that the time of death used to convict Kristen had to be incorrect. And in fact, the time of death fell perfectly within the window of Kristen's confirmed alibi. And given mm. this expert and corroborated opinion, a writ of habeas corpus was submitted in 2010 and denied in 2011 because our justice system is fucking horseshit. Um, what? Denied. So another document was filed in the courts in an attempt to free Kristen in 2012 and wasn't even responded to until 2014. I thought my inbox was backed up. Right. That's really unprofessional and terrible. It's awful. At this point, the Innocence Project becomes involved and Kristen is finally granted a hearing in 2017. She was sentenced to jail in 2001. Oh, my God. Yeah. Gail and two other forensic entomologists testified before a judge in October of 2017. Gail again writes, quote, 
We all stated that insects would have been attracted to this body very rapidly, and the lack of eggs suggested that death had occurred after sunset. Prosecution brought in a fourth entomologist who said, you could not be absolutely sure. But Gail and her backup were compelling enough and within 10 days of their testimony vacated Kristen's conviction and dismissed all charges after she had served 16 years in prison for a crime she wasn't even in fucking town for. I Oh my can't. god. I'm I, I was so mad when I was writing this case that I was typing like slamming on my keyboard. <laughs> keyboard okay. <laughs> my yeah. computer is broken. I would like to file a complaint. She filed several. So I'm not sure if the investigation was reopened and Vegas PD did fuck all to actually seek justice in this case. But fortunately, as for Kristen, she was released, quote, without prejudice, which means she cannot be retried for this case ever fucking again. But she lost 16 years of her life. Her very young life. That is so... No. I can't. For and protecting are, herself from an for attempted rape. Yep. And there are pictures of her on the on the blog slash drive. I just think it's so fascinating. Like you see her at the age of 18. It's like a senior picture. And then you see her in jail. She's fucking a flawless queen. And then you see her on the day of her release. And it's just like those 16 years, they change wow. you. I mean, she lived in prison for 16 years. Oh, I can't even imagine. I thought imagine. that was the bug woman. They know they look like three different people. Yeah. But you can see in the eyes that it's her. Yeah, totally. Oh, there's only one photo of Gail, but there are several photos of Kristen and just like young and full of life and vivacious. And I love the picture. She has a bug tattoo. Okay. Okay. Now I'm straightening this out. Yes, Gail still looks like a bug because of her haircut, but also Kristen. She's got those skinny eyebrows, but also she's, she's in prison so for like the majority of her life at that point. And that yeah, you're sucks. not going to get a good wax in prison. But Fuck. I really do love the photo of her on the day of her release because there's just so much joy, but joy. it's also like so sad. It's like I don't know how to interpret this brand right. of joy that I'm right. feeling because I have I've felt never it been ever. incarcerated wrongfully for fucking 16 years. Oh, 16 years. So anyway, happy. how old are we? We were we were 16 16 years ago. Can you imagine yep. every experience you've had since you were 16? I don't remember being 16. Yeah, C- Kristen was incarcerated 2 years later. 18 years old she was incarcerated. No. It's just, it's it's wild. It's so tragic. Such a failure of do, the justice system. Do you Our know, cases were very similar. Really similar. Yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. Do you know the importance of that number 200 tattoo that she has? I don't. I didn't look it, into. it was her prisoner number would be my guess, but I don't know. It may have been. There I don't, I don't know. less than a thousand prisoners in her prison, though, I'm sure. Who knows? I don't know. Shall we but, move on? Well done. God bless her. Yes, thank you. Yeah. That is my case. God bless the bugs. God bless you, Gail. Please be uh, my mom. Yeah, actually, I want bug Gail queen. <laughs> Gail is the ultimate bug, bug daddy. Mm. All right. <sighs> Special All right. thanks. Special thanks this week to Brittany Little, who wants to shout out their friend Jesse for their thirtieth birthday. Happy birthday, Jesse! I wish Jessie. that I had Jesse's girl, Britney Little, Jesse's girl, Britney Little, Britney Little. Where can I find a birthday like that? Okay, 
Thank you also to Dana Beverage. Dana, we're thirsty for you. Love that. (laughs) Thank you to Julia Jacome. Come on over. Come on in. Pull Mm. up a seat and take a load off your feet. That is a quote from a Shania Twain (laughs) song. Thank you to... Thank you to Misty Dawn. I'm getting misty-eyed over here from your donation. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Misty. Misty mm-hmm. Dawn, what's that flower yeah, you flower have you've got on? <laughs> Thank yes. you to Lily Kleinfeld Hamilton. I'm going to wait mm. in line for tickets to see you for six days yes. in a row. Pitching I'm going to buy an overpressed wedding dress from you. Thank you. There it is. Kleinfields gotta what? follow that that tracks. Oh, Kleinfields. Okay. TLC. I don't know Keep what up. That is. Okay. Okay. Thank <laughs> you to Rashonda Coleman. I am rushing, rushing to your side to give you praise, <laughs> Rashonda. Thank you, Addison. Demeni. Mm. Uh Also, thank you for that pronunciation, Agaidi. Yep. I would have said, "Don't mind." <laughs> yeah, don't mind exactly. if I do. <laughs> don't mind me. <laughs> thank you, Laura Matthews. Uh, Laura, <laughs> I am floored by your generosity. <laughs> yes. Ooh, well, well done. <laughs> Thank you, Melissa Mao. You're giving us Mao than we bargained for, Melissa Mao. <laughs> Meow. Thank Meow. you, Francesca Betts. Mm. I bet you didn't see this one coming, but I'm making a pun off. with your last name. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer Brown. We're going down going to Brown down Town. To Brown Town. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. But also, little background, every time Amanda and I have to poop in a public place, Mm -hmm. we just mouth to each other, I'm going Going down to brown town. town. (laughs) It's our, it's very secret code that nobody can figure out. It's great. Really subtle. (laughs) Thank you to Mary Napier Hale, Napier Pash. (laughs) Thank you to Ashley Kirk. We get a Kirk out of you. Ooh. Oh, that was so fast I wasn't done swallowing my wine. <laughs> oh. Got it. Oh. <laughs> Kicking off our $10 a month. Did you mean to delete that? Who deleted I that? I did because we did it in the last episode. Oh, okay. It was a dupe. Yep. <laughs> Kicking off our ten dollar a month tier, Chelsea P. We're mm. uh, just peeing with excitement over <sighs> your generous support. Really, my mommy really has to pee. Well, then let's keep going. Thank you to Chantilly Bays. Oh, a Chantilly, Chantilly Bays and old Who wants to shout out her? Stop laughing. Okay, 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 stop Kenya. laughing. Okay, we're about to talk about a dead person, so let's stop. Oh. Um, who wants to shout out her late friend Miranda? Oh, oh okay, Shashinger, who last week was a victim of murder suicide by her ex boyfriend. Holy shit. She was, quote, she was the girl who would yell fucking patriarchy. She was one of the strongest women, mom, and friends. Uh, God bless. 
And may the Lord bless you and keep you, Miranda. I am so sorry that you experienced this. And I'm sending all kinds of love and healing energy to all of the people around you right now. And let's take intimate partner violence fucking serious. Yes, Moving please. Forward. Also, Chantilly Lace. Because Sweet baby angel. Oh, Hang in there, I'm honey. so sorry. Fucking I'm crazy. So, that's yeah, that's so really sorry. awful. Okay, um, moving on. Well, next up is Kenyon. Great. (laughs) I just, I I really won out in both of those. Nailed it. Thank you to William Morton. I need to. Mama Morton. Mama Morton. I need to get some more Morton salt because I am out of salt. Thank you, Mm. William. Uh, Thank you to Brittany Cornelius. Brittany. Hit me, baby, one more time with your sweet, sweet Patreon donation. Your sweet Cornelius. Thank you to Amy Fletcher. I'm going to fetch you some praise for your donation. Quit trying to make Fletcher happen. Yeah, it's never going to happen. Thank you to Rebecca Kloster. Mm. What a clusterfuck. (laughs) What a fucking claustrophobic I'm feeling pretty claustrophobic right now Claustrophobic Claustrophobic That's fucking funny (laughs) Your turn honey Lucy Okay. Yes. You're always after Kenyon Do I have to highlight for you too now I heard you say claustrophobic I thought it was you Thank you to Caroline Callahan You're Mm. a very Callahandy With a Alliteration. Uh, an electric <laughs> drill. You should oh. come to my house and hang my pictures. Sure. All right. Thank you to Gemma Waters. I'm going to bathe myself in the waters of Gemma, who is such a gem. Mm. Mm. Uh. Thank you to Joanna Marston. Mm. Um, I wish I could go to a Barston, but I yep. can't. And that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Thank you, Laura Vadunas. Mm. Uh, am I Vadunas correctly? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> Thank you to Amanda D'Amato. Uh, Tomato D'Amato. Tomato <laughs> Yep, there it is. <laughs> Amanda Amanda. Amanda D'Amato. <laughs> Thank you to Jacinta Harvey for increasing their pledge from five to ten ten dollars a month. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, Jacinta, I need more of you. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Perfection. Oh, thank you to Laura Vogelsong from your mm. for your increase from five to ten dollars a month. You are singing the Vogel song of your elders. Yes. <laughs> Thank you to Lexi McClellan, clearly a relative of Ian McClellan. Mm. And you're sharing that wealth with us. Thank you for increasing from 2 to $5 a month. God bless. Mm-hmm. Thank you to, oh, this is funny. <laughs> Kira. <laughs> Nightly. Kira Strelzik. Strelchik. Ooh. Yeah. And they they just wrote in parentheses after their last name, 
Sorry. Struzel chick? Struzel chick? Struzel dick? Struzel dick? Dear God, eat something. You look like a swizzle stick. Thank you, Kira <laughs> Shellstick. Oh, no. Oh, Thank no. Thank you to Sandra Broberg. Bullock. Bros before hoes, Sandra. <laughs> I fucking you hate gotta that You got to protect phrase. your blind side, Sandra Broberg. Oh, yeah. Protect your blinds. Mackle. Roll Tide. Mackle. Oh, miss. <laughs> Thank you God. to Caddy Martin. I can't wait to chatty with you, Caddy, about your could be dusty, Katie, dusty trash. And it well, I'm could be a with, typo. I'm going with Caddy. <laughs> a card laid is a card played. You're kicking off our $15 a month tier, and you're going to get some trash real soon. I hope. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? No way to thank, know. thank you to Liz Parks Parrot. Mm. I don't mimic me parrot don't oh. ever get a ferret because they'll chew mm. your nose off yeah all of those could. things thank you maureen may for your increase oh god for Ooh. your pledge increase <laughs> from 10 to 15 oh, no. <laughs> we're drunk maureen may you excuse my <laughs> mid shout out belch thank you very much oh, we're classy <laughs> Kicking off our $25 a month tier is Reagan McLean. I will surely be McLeaning you as my new best friend. Tax write off. McLean. That's a tax write off. <laughs> thank, thank you to Natalie Samard for increasing their pledge from $5 to $25 mm. a month. Smart it, move, it, Natalie Samard. <laughs> Smart for it is smart for me to say this, but thank you. (laughs) She's the most smartest. It's hard to clean shard. You're so (laughs) smart. You're so smart. Thank you to Jessica Chauvin for your once-off donation of ten dollars, and you are not chauvinistic by donating to the show because we're. Painfully feminist. Thank you so much. You're chauvin <laughs> your love, as is Maddie Yost, the Yost with the most, giving us a $10 once-off <laughs> donation on our online mostest. store. And last but not least, thank you, Renee Lair, who wants to shout out their gateway gal, Vicky. Mm. Uh... Renee Lair, hardly know. There we go. There we go. Okay, last but not least, I got a joke. I got a joke. It's hashtag bug related. God damn it. Bug facts. It's a a bug fact. Hashtag bug facts. So did you guys hear about the two silkworms who got in a race? No. No. It ended in a tie. Stop. <laughs> no. No. I All think right. it's so funny. Okay. I hate it. <laughs> you hate all my jokes. Goodbye. Oh my God. We should be recording a drunk dive after this. We all got to after nope. it. Yeah. We got to right. wait because I haven't Thank finished you. it yet. Mm. Bye. 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 <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Hey, Wine and Crime listeners. This is Jenny. And this is Danelle from Sip, Survive, Repeat. We're a weekly podcast that talks about outrageous survival stories while drinking our favorite wines. What do we mean by survival stories? You mean like the hostage situation at Good Guys Electronics? Or the time some lady was attacked by a bear and lived? What about true crime? Everybody loves true crime. Oh yeah, we do kidnap survivors, cult survivors, attempted murder survivors, and more. Tune in every Tuesday to download a new episode. Think of this as your true crime obsession with a happier ending. Hey, we'll see you next Tuesday.